he's not good. And yeah. I didn't realize just how much I was telegraphing that to the people that, that knew me and how much worse energy they were getting as a result of me being unhappy. So that I would say is fine saying it's bearable, but you have to, the, you know, you have to look at the true cost of staying where it's comfortable mm. because you probably haven't really assessed that if you're still where you are right now. Okay. That's reasonable. Do you think if you're in that kind of situation, there's a way to step back to look at the situation without, you know, being in it I mean, take a vacation or maybe have some time apart and then look at it? Is there a way to speed up the process of realizing you're not happy? That's a great question. I think that you have to, I do think that space helps. So the, the premise here that Matthew and Michaela are discussing is that happiness is the point of a relationship, right? If you're not happy, then the relationship, the relationship shouldn't continue. There's a problem. Here's the thing. Relationships are not about happiness. Imagine you're having these thoughts, but you've had three children together. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to suck it up and stick it out because the results of having children where um, they grow up in a one-parent household is terrible and co-parenting is still growing up in a single-parent household. It's not the same thing. Single parents, right? Like the kids turn out much worse. So suck it up and stick it out, right? Like, and saying quote-unquote, I need some space, is ridiculous. Because if the kind of girl that's going to say to you that she needs some space is the kind of girl that's not attracted to you anyway. She's not interested in being in a relationship with you anyway. Because only a girl like that could pull away from you. So if she wants to take some space, just say, great, how about the rest of your life? And just break the relationship there. There is no space that needs to be taken in whatever form it comes, you know, it's not always easy to just up and take yeah. a, a vacation and get space, but maybe even just the space of we, when we're not happy, we, we tend to slowly isolate and we stop seeing certain friends, especially the friends that are telling are us things we don't want to hear. <laughs> we stop seeing that person gradually, or we go and see that person, but we no longer talk about our relationship with them. Because we know that if we talk about it, they're going to say something that's going to upset us. It's going to poke at some deep part of us that feels the truth of it. And that's not, we don't want that truth. So mm -hmm. our cognitive dissonance needs us to distance ourselves from. This is just a girl, girl conversation. Like Matthew has gone so far past the way that men speak that it just sounds like two girls are talking. By the way, Look at Michaela's expression when she's looking at Matthew. Very attracted. She's very interested in Matthew, by the way. Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. My name is Helios, here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. Nearly revamped, guys. I'm posting weekly on there. It's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe. Patreon.com slash the Helios blog. You can also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shout out to him. Uh, link is in the description. Let's continue. From certain people, I think that I think that continuing to invite is in, kind of in the same way that we, you know, 
people like you and I do, and your dad does, and you know, people who like debate, people who like, who want to hear other ideas, who don't want to be in their echo chamber. Uh, you have. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. Matthew is in the biggest possible echo chamber where girls are just te- he's literally telling girls what they want to hear and bouncing what they want to hear back at them for money. So no, you're in the biggest echo chamber possible. So let's dispel that myth right there. So no, that's bullshit. But anyway, um, and liking debate? Uh, no, I don't think you'd like debate. I've never seen Matthew talking to one of these RP guys, one of the guys that actually, you know, like know the truth about like relationship dynamics. Like, <laughs> anyway, Michaela's certainly not going to. You have to put yourself around other conversations. And I, and I think that that's actually an important thing to do in your relationship. If you're not happy, go listen to the people who are pointing out something mm. you don't want to hear. Hear what they have to say. Spend time with those friends and those family members. Oh, right. So here's the thing. And girls do this all the time, by the way, as relationship-destroying tactics, right? They're like, oh, that guy's not good enough for you. He doesn't treat you right. He's bad. He's terrible. He's awful. Go dump him and go get another guy, right? Like these these girl uh, these girlfriends, right, will, will try to destroy your relationship. And um, they, they are doing it largely, not all the time, but a lot of the time, they're doing it out of, out of um, jealousy, right? They are envious of the relationship that their friend has. So, of course, they have to go and destroy it because why, their friend can't be happy without them, right? Like, without them being happy. It's like the crabs in a bucket mentality, right? You've got to pull the other crabs back in. You can't just let somebody be happy. No, you have to... You have to destroy their happiness because it's greater than yours. You know, like girls do this all the time. Not all of them, but I mean, in 2023, guys, let's be real. Do the brave thing of not isolating from people who are pointing out things you don't like. Okay, that makes sense. I like that. Okay, I'm I'm switching. I'm switching the topic up a little bit. Uh, I've seen some clips you have on narcissism. Could you Hmm. tell me how to detect a narcissist? I see. I feel in some ways. She says while giving the best bedroom eyes she can possibly give. Anyway, let's continue. The qualified in this area, because, uh, you know, I think of when I think of narcissism as a psychological term that obviously some people have studied at depth. um, You know, I, I they obviously can give you the diagnosable traits of a narcissist. I. I, I worry about our culture of like, we have a culture right now that seems to just diagnose everybody with narcissism. That's right. He's bad. He was an N word. He's bad. He was an M word. He's bad. He was an A word, you know, just throw whatever labels. He was a, you know, a weak man. He was not a real man. He was a, a woman hater, you know, like when really all that happened is he wasn't interested in dating you long term. He just wanted a good time and to and to go to the next girl, right? And you were with him because you were attracted to him physically. You know, like it's ridiculous. Yes. Immediately. Yes. Uh, and it, I have it in my comment section. You say, you know, I can't make a video about a guy doing a selfish thing without the comments being like, he's a narcissist. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hang on. Like we, there have to be degrees here it can't just be that we that we label everyone a narcissist what but but i do think that we all have narcissistic tendencies um 
I think all of us show those telling on himself those things in different moments of our lives. Uh, the question is whether it becomes clinical or is clinical with someone that we're dealing with. I look for things like, can someone actually... Okay, while Matthew's talking, guys, I just want you as an experiment. Just look at Michaela. Okay, just look at her eyes. Tell me, is Michaela attracted to Matthew or not? Just as an experiment. Can someone actually say they're sorry? A very simple thing. But can someone say that? Can someone say you're right? That wasn't what I did. wasn't great. That wasn't a, that wasn't a good thing to do, or that was a selfish thing to do. Or can they reflect and have the self-awareness of knowing that they did something that wasn't okay? Yeah, but here's the thing. Self-awareness and reflecting on something that isn't okay, it depends on what frame it's coming from. Is the frame of the relationship the following? What everything that the girl does is okay, and everything that the guy does is not okay. And if you do something that the girl doesn't like, you must reflect and tell me that what you did was not okay. From that frame, that man is not doing something wrong. He's just he's disagreeable or or like pushing against the frame of the girl. What he's actually saying is no. Me kissing your bum is not the frame of this relationship. I will not apologize for doing something that you didn't like just because, you know, um, what guys are supposed to do for you is kiss your, kiss your bum. You see what I'm saying, guys? So if the frame is men kiss women's bum and if they don't, they're narcissists, then, like, it's wrong. You see what I'm saying? There's no, so some girls, what they, what they say, what they imply is that, right? You should apologize for not putting me on a pedestal. And if you don't apologize for not putting me on a pedestal, there's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with a guy wanting to be the leader of his relationship. You see, guys? All right. On to the article by Rolo Tomasi. It's called Controlling Interests. I realized I dropped this quote last week, but it provides with a unique illustration of the prevailing feminine psychology that's been evolving since the bedroom fun revolution. Here's the quote. It's by Sheryl Sandberg, by the way, uh, from her book, uh, Lean In, Women Work and the Will to Lead. When looking for a life partner, my advice to women is to date all of them. The bad boys, the cool boys, the commitment phobic boys, the crazy boys. But do not marry them. The things that make the bad boys um, attractive do not make them good husbands. When it comes time to settle down, find someone who wants an equal partner, someone who thinks women should be smart, opinionated, and ambitious, someone who values fairness and expects, or even better, wants to do his share in the home. These men exist, and trust me, over time, nothing is more attractive. In last week's post, I made note that Sheryl Sandberg was blissfully ignorant of a blatant admission of feminine hypergamy, but I felt her advice to women here represented so much more than just a display of a solipsistic ignorance. For as long as I've butted heads with many obstinate deniers of hypergamy's influence on women personally and society as a whole, I'm sure I've read a more I'm not sure I've read a more damning indictment of hypergamy from a more influential woman. Sandberg's advice to the next generation of women essentially puts the lie to and exposes the uncomfortable truth about women's efforts to deny the fundamental dynamic of female bedroom fund strategy. Alpha seed beta need. 
Even if you want to argue the evolutionary psychology and biological origins of women's pluralistic bedroom fund strategy, the fact is now socially evident. Women have come to a point where they're comfortable in openly admitting the truth that RP has been drawing attention to for over a decade. Courtesy of Sheryl Sandberg, the alpha seed beta need basis of women's bedroom fund pluralism is now publicly recognized. Uh, It's kind of ironic considering that when the manosphere had been trying to make men aware of it for years, it's now being co-opted, embraced and owned as if women had always practiced an open bedroom fund pluralism, incredulous to any man's shock over it. However, the truth is that a feminine-centric social order can no longer hide the increasingly obvious fallout and consequences of a a society restructured to accommodate women as the predominant bedroom fund interest. Last week, I speculated that Sandberg was ignorant of the feminine primary implications of a statement and, and what it drew attention to, and I'm still of the opinion that an innate feminine solipsism motivates more and more women to this admission, but it's impossible to ignore the new degree of comfort in which women feel in laying bare the dualistic bedroom fund strategy. To some significant extent, the feminine imperative no longer needs to keep the good genes and good dad dichotomy ugliness a secret from men. In last week's post, I mentioned that a new ambient sense of assured long-term security in the feminine mind was predisposing women to prioritize the best genes side of feminine hypergamy. Sandberg's advice is a vital confirmation of this. However, she tacitly acknowledges a window of opportunity during which women possess a better capacity to pursue this side. The things that make the bad boys attractive do not make them good husbands. When it comes time to settle down, find someone who wants an equal partner. In these two sentences, Cheryl, Cheryl, and by extension the feminine imperative, essentially confirms women's pluralistic bedroom fund strategy. And the now infamous bedroom fund market value graph depicting women's peak SMV and decay and the first half of the timeline of women's phases of maturity I laid forth in the first two installments of the Preventative Medicine series. Selling the beta. With regards to men, I believe the most salient part of Sandberg's admission is found at the end. These men exist, and trust me, over time, nothing is more attractive. For the better half of the time since the bedroom fund revolution, it was necessary for the feminine imperative to convince a majority of men that their eventual beta providership for women was not only their duty, but also a prime aspect of feminine attraction. As I mentioned last week, under the old order attraction model, this may have been the case to a large degree. However... After the revolution, and as women's hypergamy prioritized towards good genes short-term bedroom fund partners, the good dad, beta bucks men, needed an ever-increasing sell of their own attractiveness by women. This persistent sell was a necessary element of ensuring a future long-term security for women while pursuing increasingly more short-term breeding opportunities as feminine primacy expanded into society. The future quote-unquote good dads would need to be patiently waiting out women's indiscretion years during their SMV peak so the cell became an ever-involving definition of what women found attractive in men based on that old order model of dependability, patience, industriousness, and every other characteristic that defined a good provider. Quoted from Why Muscularity is Attractive According to Strategic Pluralism Theory, 
Men have evolved to pursue reproductive strategies that are contingent on their value on the mating market. More attractive men accrue reproductive benefits from spending more time seeking multiple mating partners and relatively less time investing in offspring. In contrast, the reproductive effort of less attractive men who do not have the same mating opportunities is better allocated in investing heavily in their mates and offspring and spending relatively less time seeking additional mates. From a woman's perspective, the ideal is to attract a partner who confirms both long-term investment benefits and genetic benefits. Not all women, however, will be able to attract long-term investing mates who also display heritable fitness cues. Consequently, women face trade-offs in choosing mates because they may be forced to choose between males displaying fitness indicators or those who will assist in offspring can be good long-term mates. So this is from Gangstad and Simpson 2000. The most straightforward prediction that follows is that women seeking short-term mates when the man's only contribution to offspring is genetic should prefer muscularity more than women seeking long-term mates. Strategic pluralism theory is a pretty good definition of feminine hypergamy. So, uh, but what this theory hadn't yet accounted for at the time it was published uh, was the necessities of women with regards to short-term mating strategies and long-term parental investment opportunities over the course of the various phases of maturity as they aged. One sec, I'm just writing Gangstad and Simpson because I'm going to want to read this article um, in my Patreon. Okay. The beta investment cell was, a necess- was necessary because it ensured male parental investment at a later, usually pre-wall time in a woman's life. Thus, Sandberg's praise of men who, uh, who, who think women should be smart, opinionated, and ambitious, men who value fairness and expect or even better want to do a share in the home, will eventually be more attractive than the alpha bad boys, cool boys, commitment-phobic boys, and crazy boys. She encourages women to sleep early in life with these guys and you see what I'm saying? It's an example of the cell. Ironically, ironically it's exactly with, the, with this cell that women encourage the very transactional nature of bedroom fund relations with men they're screeching about. It's the chore play fallacy on a meta scale. Do more around the house. Play into the egalitarian schema women think they need in a provider. Support her ambitiousness and opinionatedness. And you'll be considered more attractive and get the best bedroom fund she's been saving just for a guy like this. Which... By the way, she never saves. Okay, back to the video. Or at the very minimum was an intentionally hurtful thing to do. So Um, what Matthew does, right, is he just plays to women's, you know, thing. Like he just tells them what they want to hear, but he's in a, it's in an attractive package. So of course he gets, you know, lots of views and clicks and et cetera. Was ignorant or showed lack of understanding and acknowledge that and apologize for that. I, I've, I really, and I don't think people who don't apologize are automatically narcissists, Mm -hmm. but it's, but I do think that it's one of those character traits that it would, it freaks me out being around people who can't apologize. It really depends on the frame. If a man has to apologize for being masculine and wanting to be the leader and taking control and, you know, like, then th- that frame is terrible, right? But if a man never apologizes ever, well, that's something else, right? Because that, That's fair, yeah. That then, you kind of can't work with that person. You, you know, there's people, you can be with someone who does a lot wrong, but if they can acknowledge themselves and be aware and 
and make a commitment to be better or to be more understanding or whatever it is that needs to change. Again, the implication here is that the man is the one that has to make the concessions and the girl doesn't need to bring anything to the table. You see what I'm saying? That's the frame here. The frame is the man has to apologize. The man has to make concessions. The man has to say sorry. The man has to change. But what does the girl have to bring? What does the girl have to do? Never mentioned, right? Because Matthew is firmly on the girl's side. And he'll never say anything like, take accountability, take personal responsibility, um, you know, accept that what you did was wrong, accept that you made a mistake, accept. No, no, no. It's deflect, deflect, defer responsibility, blame it on men, um, you know, label people as, you know, N-words that don't do as you say, don't do as you want, refuse to change their behavior, etc. You can work with that person. That's like a, a partner you can actually work with. But so partner is a red flag, by the way partner is not there's boyfriend there's girlfriend there's husband there's wife it is not an equal partnership partner is a red flag word if they're saying partner it's already done they don't believe in traditional roles, which means you're not going to have a traditional relationship. You're going to have a cancerous relationship where she wants equality when it suits her. It's like, my money is my money, but your money is our money. That's, that's the equivalent. Someone who can't acknowledge what, what they did wrong or where their flaws are and can't apologize, that's a problem. And if on top of that, where, there, where it becomes particularly insidious and a term that's also very much in psychological vogue right now is gaslighting. Okay, you what know, is, someone, can you please, please, please tell me what that is? Because I've heard that so many times. I've been like, I have to yeah. look into that. Everyone's saying gaslighting. I have no idea what it means. So thank you for bringing that up. Is, yeah, what, she says with her best bedroom eyes, Anyway, guys, look, look at that face. Tell me, is Michaela attracted to Matthew or not? Just tell me. We've seen plenty of interviews by Michaela. Look at her expression here. Is that is the is the term given to when you make someone feel crazy for something <laughs> that reasonable is a term I should have known <laughs> rational and logical that they are saying you know it's it's making someone feel like they're not not saying I disagree with you but but going a step further and making them seem like they're completely nuts okay. like if I if if you if you and I spoke three days from now and you referred to something in this conversation that I absolutely said and I said, I never said that. Ah. Uh, and you, you say, what do you mean? You, you don't, I said, I never said that. Uh, you say, but that you had this whole opinion. You made a big okay. thing of it. No, you completely, I don't know where you're getting that. You completely, you're completely off. I don't know where you got that. If I make That's yeah, that's gaslighting. That's right. It's uh, denying reality. So if your girl's doing that, that's a red flag, guys. Just keep that in mind. That would be a run. That would be a head for the hills signal, okay? Just keep that in mind. Making you see, now you start to question your sanity and you start to go, wait, did he say, maybe I, maybe I did miss here. Am I, you start, and the, the real insidious ah. thing about gaslighting is that it, it erodes your self-esteem and your belief in, in your perception 
of, of life. You literally, and, and often people who have been gaslighted have the experience of getting out of a relationship and then finding out a whole bunch of things about their partner. You know, it's like they saw yeah. this thing and they didn't like it. And they were like, wait, this seems inappropriate. And that seems inappropriate. And that seems inappropriate. And the whole time this person's going, you're crazy. You're crazy. And then they get out of the relationship and realizing this person had, had, was having an affair all along. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And actually, I would say that more commonly, it's women that do this than men, although Matthew's implying it's men. But anyway, okay. On to the Reddit article. Uh, it was posted 15 hours ago on relationship advice, okay? My girlfriend who's 28 and the guy is 27, red flag, I've already told you. If the girl is older than the guy, it's already a red flag in the title right away. She cheated and hid it from me because her therapist told her. So I'm telling you guys, like therapists are always on the girl's side. If you go into couples therapy, couples counseling, it's just going to be a chore playlist for you to do. And if you don't do it, you're the bad guy. And there's nothing that she ever has to change because, you know, my money is my money. Your money is our money type thing, right? Like you have to, you have to make the concessions, not her. Anyway. I'm still reading from the disclosure, so please bear with me if the post seems to be all over the place. This just happened yesterday. I've been in what I thought was a happy relationship with my girlfriend for two years now, and it all came crashing down yesterday when I got a message from a woman who claimed my girlfriend had cheated while she was on vacation with her friends. Well, we're not out here letting her girl go on solo vacations or on, on girls' night out, so what are you even doing? I thought it's some kind of prank and told her so, but then she told me exactly when it happened and at what hotel my girlfriend and her friends were staying. She even knew the room number. Apparently, her boyfriend was also staying in the same hotel and that's when the cheating happened. I decided to ask my girlfriend and to my surprise, she didn't deny it. But she insisted it was the only time she's ever cheated on me in the entire relationship. By the way, guys, if she cheated once, she'll cheat again. But it gets even worse because she was thinking about telling me. But a therapist advised against it. The therapist told her that as long as she wasn't going to do it again, it didn't make any sense to confess it to me and put our relationship in danger. I was speechless. Yeah, I'll say. I guess there are therapists out there encouraging their clients to lie and hide things. Uh, yeah, the ones that are on the girl's side and not on yours. I'm at a friend's place right now as I don't know what to do. I don't trust anything which comes out of her mouth now. It could be the only time she cheated, but it could also be the only time someone reached out to me about her cheating. That's more likely. She seems very remorseful and her tears seem genuine, but I don't know what to trust now. Till yesterday, I was sure she'd never cheat, but today, all that is a lie. Uh-huh. Yeah, and if she's willing to lie about that, what else is she willing to lie about? That's the question. Top comment, 1.2k upvotes. Forget the therapist and what they said. Your girlfriend cheated, then kept it from you, then deflected blame. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with future trips? Uh, no. No solo trips. Okay. Uh, 548 upvotes. Be very happy that the girl reached out to you before you wasted any more time and now find a new girlfriend. Yeah. And probably the girls in the party covered it up. That's, that's right. Okay, guys, we're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all the notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, newly revamped, posting every week. Um, again, it's patreon.com slash the blog. Just go there and subscribe. Again, guys, patreon.com slash the blog. You could also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Link is in the description. Really appreciate it if you took the time out of your business to listen to this video, especially if you listened all the way to the end. You guys are wonderful. Uh, take care of yourselves, guys, and I will see you next time.